Hello and welcome to PW's FaithCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors who write about inspiration, spirituality, and religion. I'm Emma Kuntz, Religion News Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Dinty W. Moore, whose book, The Mindful Writer, is being published by Wisdom Press, the sponsor of today's FaithCast. Hello, Dinty. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing fine today. Hello. It's a beautiful day in Ohio. Oh, great. The Mindful Writer blends the Buddhist tradition of mindfulness with the process of writing. Can you tell us a little bit about what mindfulness is in one way that it can help when it comes to the writing process? Well, I think there's two main ways, if I can uh, double up on you. Of course. The first way that mindfulness really matters to a writer is you have to notice the world around you. I mean, you, you, you need whatever you're writing about, whether you're writing about your family and people, whether you're writing about an event that you attend, whether you're writing about the natural world. You know, we're all going so fast and we're so distracted that it really takes an effort, for me at least, but I think other people too, to slow down and notice. Hear what you're hearing, see what you're seeing, uh, notice the body language of the people or even in memory, to slow down and notice the things in your memory in close detail. That's the first thing. The second aspect of mindfulness I like to talk about and talk about in the book is is actually slowing down and thinking, why am I writing this? I mean, there's people who write for money. There's people who write for fame. Um, it's not a good way to earn either of those, really. There's people who write because they're trying to prove something to their high school English teacher. There's people who, who write because their grandfather told them they were stupid and they're trying to work that out. There's all kinds of different reasons for writing. And I think the more you're aware of, of who you are and why you're writing, the less distractions you're going to have and the more chance you have of actually focusing on the words and the message and the audience. And so what ultimately inspired you to write the book? I wrote a book many years ago, over over a decade ago, called The Accidental Buddhist, which was about my own Buddhism and a larger subject, Buddhism in America. Because of that book, people always ask me, well, how does Buddhism affect your writing? How does Buddhism influence your writing? It was a koan for me. I just struggled for years to answer that question intelligently because, you know, when I'm writing, I'm not very much of a Buddhist. I'm very doggedly after the right word. I'm very ambitious. I'm very energized towards attachments, the attachment being, you know, my goal of finishing this essay or finishing this book. So I finally, after years, flip-flopped the question and realized that my being an artist, my understanding where inspiration comes from, my understanding of how you sometimes have to just let go of things and listen to the words or the memories in your mind in order to write, kind of brought me into Buddhism. It made me a better Buddhist, or at least made me more uh, susceptible to understanding some of the, what I think are the deeper messages of Buddhism. And ultimately, I'd venture to say it probably made you a better writer. I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm still working at it, but yeah. I mean, I think the two do definitely go hand in hand. Yeah. The sort of, uh, I think, Thich Nhat Hyatt, well, the various, various teachers have different names for it. The you know, the child's mind or the know-nothing mind or, I mean, the mind that isn't just seeing and, and grasping onto what it thinks it's supposed to find there, but is actually just there and finding what is there. To me, that's the artist's mind as well as the, the goal of Buddhism. And so the book features dozens of quotations by great writers and great thinkers. 
followed by commentary. Why did you decide to write the book this way? Um, I guess I just thought the quotes, which you know, most of them are from writers, but some of them are from Buddhist teachers, some from painters, one from Joan Baez, the folk singer and, and songwriter. I thought the quotes all sort of related to Buddhism and mindfulness, though many of the people I'm quoting do not consider themselves Buddhist. I quote Flannery O'Connor, for instance, who's a lifelong staunch Catholic. Um, but I, I felt that the quotes shed some light on, on mindfulness and Buddhism, but I wanted to unpack them. I wanted to sort of to have a conversation with the reader about how, uh, for instance, to mention Flannery O'Connor again, how her understanding of grace, a very Christian and in fact Catholic idea, connects with, you know, connects with the Dharma and karma and, and you know, a lot of what we as Buddhists, we who are Buddhists, um, a lot of what we talk about. So I'm, it's sort of almost a translation. I take some of the ideas that these people have had and, and say, you know, I respect that they're atheists or I respect that they're Christians or I respect that they have this faith or that faith. But all religions at a certain place start saying the same thing. And I start looking for the connections there. Yeah. And um, you write that the single most important trait in a writer must be that they have curiosity. Can you explain more about why curiosity is so vital to writing? Yeah, and this has, I don't know if this is connected to mindfulness or not. I guess it probably is because eventually I, everything everything turns out to be when I follow. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, think of, I think of writing, and I'm also a writing teacher as well as a writer. I, I think that the wrong approach to writing is I know something and I'm going to tell people about it and that the more fruitful approach to writing is I want to discover something. I have questions about this memory from my childhood, this person I met last week, this event that I attended the previous month, this phenomenon in the world. I think it's the questions and that drive a piece of writing. Not only take, not only do these questions take the writer to more interesting places, but they also sustain us. I mean, it's hard writing and you have to go back and do draft after draft. Often early on in your career, nobody cares about your writing. You feel like you're never going to get anything published. The curiosity, the, the dogged pursuit of questions um, is to me the fuel that drives both writing and the writer. Whereas just sort of saying, eh, I've got it all figured out. Let me write it down and put it on, you know, post it to the telephone pole. Um, that That's not to me, a very fruitful way of approaching writing. Yeah, I see what you mean. And like you mentioned, writing is hard. And as the author of 10 books, you talk a little bit about your own writing failures and successes in The Mindful Writer, including dealing with rejection and writer's block and even a four-year project that resulted in just eight pages. Why did you decide to include those experiences? And was it a difficult decision to make whether or not to include them? No, I've, I, it was an easy decision because, you know, as someone who teaches writing to college students, but also teaches writing to many adults at various summer conferences, beginning writers, writers in early stages of their career, imagine that it's easy and that the writers they read are brilliant because that's the illusion of the finished project or the finished product. You read uh, a, a story or a poem or an essay by a writer you really admire and think, wow, how did they do that? Well, they probably did it by making a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad starts and 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 uh, 
and bad sentences and just revised and thought and made it perfect. And that's part of the illusion is to make your poem, for instance, seem inevitable as if every word had to be there in that order. Uh, but that's an illusion. The, the, the construction process to create a poem where it looks like there was no other way to write it and it's absolutely perfect the way it is. The construction process for that is very uh, meticulous and, and difficult. So for writers to understand that even even writers who have been published and I, you know, and for me to quote writers who are just so much more respected than, you know, than I consider myself to be talking about their own failures. I think that really helps writers, you know, at the beginning stages understand, oh, just because I wrote a really bad essay last week or I wrote a really bad story last month doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means I have to get up and start all over again and write a better one this time. Yeah, persevere. Yeah, exactly. And the mindful writer goes beyond just advice about writing to include truths about life. For instance, one passage reads, no one lives forever, nothing stays the same. How can these truths influence the writing process? Well, I guess don't waste time writing about small things that are safe but ultimately unimportant. My most recent favorite writing prompt uh, to give to, to students is, uh, if the writing gods came down and told you, you're going to live another 50 years, you'll have a wonderful life, you'll be healthy, things will be great, but you've only got one more week to write, what would you write about? And that's an exaggeration, but I do feel like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for, uh, a lot to be said for being daring, for realizing you've only got one shot on earth, um, depending on where you stand on reincarnation. Um, <laughs> you've only got one, sh one shot here on earth. What are you going to write about? Are you going to write about cute, happy, easy, safe things that amuse, I don't know, your Aunt Molly? Or are you going to really dig into the things that bother you and the things that concern you and the things that trouble you and the questions that we have as human beings that are really difficult to answer? I think, you know, the artists that we remember are the ones who just dig in and say, man, I'm going after the difficult material. The notion of inspiration, which you call the myth of the thunderbolt, is dismissed in the book. Can you talk a little bit about the dangers of waiting for inspiration and the strategies and writing prompts that can help instead? Well, the first part about waiting for the thunderbolt or the lightning bolt of inspiration, yeah. um, you know, writing is not based on a good idea. You know, writing is based on, most writing is based on kind of a mediocre idea. And then you start working, whether it's fiction, poetry, nonfiction, then you start writing sentences and pages and you realize, well, actually that idea was eh, but I'm realizing there's something else in here. There's a better question or you, or you start asking a question and that question leads you to a deeper question. It's, it's, it's the digging, it's the writing sentences, it's looking at those sentences or in poetry, those lines and thinking, does that work? Why does that work? It's pretty, but does it really say anything? Um, it, it's that process that you start uncovering what you didn't know you knew or uncovering the questions that are deeper than the questions you thought you had. I don't wake up in the morning profound. I wake up in the morning thinking, where's the coffee? <laughs> if I'm ever profound in my writing, it's not because I'm a person who walks around with all these interesting, fresh ideas. It's because I sort of discovered them by putting it all down on the page and then throwing a half, you know, a half to three quarters of it out because it's not really interesting. And looking at, you know, those three or four sentences I wrote that 
morning that are interesting and thinking, where do they lead? And that's where inspiration comes from. Inspiration is an active process of digging, not sitting in a chair thinking, in a week I'll have a good idea and then I'll write a poem about it. Yeah. That leads to three years later thinking, hmm, that <laughs> never happened. Yep. And so you provide some strategies in writing prompts. How did you come up with those? Oh, um, some of them I've, I've used in the past. Some of them I, I literally, you know, looked through the beginning of the book and the various things that I was, you know, saying uh, in response to the Allen Ginsberg quote or in response to the Pima Chodron quote or the Valerie Minor quote. And I said, well, you know, that it's, it's fine and good to speak abstractly about the writing process and to speak abstractly about, you know, being a, 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 a fearless warrior uh, on the page, but what what does it really look like in practice? So I just tried to say, you know, what practical ideas can I put forward beyond inspirational abstractions that can be helpful, but they don't, you know, I, I wanted I wanted the person by the end of the book not just to say, oh, I feel inspired, now I want to write, but to actually have some place to start. And that's what the prompts are trying to do. Okay. And so this question doesn't have much to do with the book, but it's, if you could offer a younger version of your writing self some advice, what would it be? Oh, uh, start earlier. Don't waste so much time. Uh, all those voices in your head telling you you're not good enough. Just say, okay, thank you. I heard you. And then push them to the side and keep writing. Uh, you know, Stephen King has those voices. Uh, I'm sure Steinbeck had those voices. I'm sure Mary Oliver has those voices. I've talked to so many writers and we all have those voices saying, you're not very good. You're dull. You're not good enough. Why would anybody care? It took me years to learn to, instead of wrestling with those voices, to just say, yep, I heard you. Okay, but I'm busy right now. I'm writing something. <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what I would tell my younger self. That's great. And then what is the most important thing a reader can learn from the mindful writer? Oh, I almost hate to answer that. I want to, I don't mean to be evasive, but. Um, it's okay. I, well, you know. I think it's a lot about trusting the self. I think it's kind of a big, a big wide open answer, but I think it actually fits. The book in various ways is encouraging people to trust themselves, their mindful selves. And that's where the answers are not, not looking always someplace else. Well, I really enjoyed the book and me as a writer, it was especially helpful. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And also thank you to the audience for listening and join us for the next FaithCast. <laughs>